Okay, ready? Welcome to the Jesus Said Love podcast. Season four, and we have some big announcements. The podcast started as an extension of our work and ministry with survivors of sexual exploitation and trafficking. However, these conversations exposed a broader cultural issue impacting Christ followers. So starting in season four, this podcast will attempt to explore the big question, how do we live and love like Jesus today? We are moving the podcast under the religion and spirituality category to explore the wide context of Christ following. So please share the show with others. In this podcast, we will give space for conversation, compassion, and courage as we seek to love God and love our neighbor. Lastly, we're looking to grow our support as there has been no budget for this podcast. So if you listen to the show, would you consider supporting us even at $5 a month by going to JesusSaidLovePodcast.com? Supporters will get bonus content and savings on resources like books, products, and conferences, and raw live video footage of the recording. So how do we live and love like Jesus? Let's find out. Babe. Yes, babe. (laughs) How in the world are you? I'm good today. I started my day off with my very favorite yoga class. Tell me about that. Well, I go to a little studio in Waco called Yoga 8. And on Friday mornings at 8.30, there's an instructor who has her own private practice named Sharon. And Sharon is a functional yoga instructor. And so she uses informed Chinese medicine and practices to kind of, I mean, she's just, she talks about your organs and your poses and she talks about, um, what else does she do? She brings around, she hand makes these hydrosols of like what your organs are needing depending on the Mm. season. So we worked on our liver today. So Mm. my liver is cleansed. I'm coming into this podcast with a very cleansed liver, which I learned according to Chinese medicine, holds on to anger and resentment, which don't we all need to let go of a little bit of that? You know, fascinating. So, so what you're trying good. to tell me, what you're trying to tell me is you stood there in the Eagle and now, had some oil sprayed on you and cleaned your liver. I did have a hydrosol. She sprayed, she makes these little tonics and she comes mm-hmm. around and mists you. And it's like this whole body experience. So you're sweating and your heart rate's getting a little elevated, but you're, you don't feel like you've just done a CrossFit workout. You know, you feel like really just positive about the world. I feel like if everyone, maybe, maybe yoga is not the same everywhere, but I do really love yoga. And if we all kind of practice a little more of that. I agree. I love yoga too. I, (laughs) I, I love yoga Nidra. That's the sleep yoga. That's the one where you just lay there. (laughs) It is. And they play that good music and they say real quiet things like ASMR. You know, yeah, it's fun. They talk, they talk very quietly. This is oh awkward. There's a girl standing out my window staring at me and I don't know who she is or what she's doing. Will someone go get the door? Because you're at I don't the need, office. It's the lunch I'm, hour. I'm I don't even know if I'm anybody's here. We'll just let it be awkward. Hi. Okay. Is she? <laughs> He's staring in well, my window. Also, do you want to go check on it? We I don't. No, we, no, I don't want to push pause. Let's, this is, oh my I love gosh. it. Okay, great. Well, what are well, we, we're I'm, not talking about yoga today. 
No, we're not. But we are talking about something that I feel is very yogi and that's the arts because I feel like a lot of artists love yoga and a lot of yogis love the arts. And so I am excited to introduce LaTanya professionally. LaTanya Jackson is with us today, who we will call by permission Tanya today for the sake of our conversation. Welcome to the show. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Tanya is, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, but she is an illustrator and an artist. Um, So tell us a little bit about who you are and where you are right now. Okay. Uh, I am a mother, artist, writer, and illustrator. I currently live in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, I grew up in a small place about an hour and a half from here called Jonesboro, Louisiana. I know where Jonesboro is. Oh, do you? Okay. (laughs) So I'm from there. Um, I went to school, did my undergrad at Dillard University, and then I moved to New York where I did my grad school studies. I studied art history. Uh, I was in a PhD program there, and then I realized that this is not for me. Uh, So I ended up moving back here to Shreveport. I needed to make a living, so I ended up in teaching. So Mm -hmm. I've been in teaching ever since. I'm finishing up my 13th year of teaching. Wow. Bless you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Wow. I I, I need all the blessings. (laughs) Wow. Uh, uh, All hail the teachers (laughs) of the world. I'm finishing on my 13th year. Uh, I teach art to both uh, elementary and middle school children. And I got into, well, I've been drawing all my life, but I didn't get into illustration until about 2020 when I decided, hey, this has been my dream. Now that I'm on, we're on lockdown and I have plenty of time on my hands. Now is the time to, to do it. Um, I had been complaining about the fact that, you know, I, I just didn't have the time. But once we were on lockdown and school was virtual, I had more time at home to to work on my craft. And ever since then, I've been hitting the ground running. And here I am now approaching a month away from publishing my first book. So awesome. I'm really excited about that. Yes. Wow. Well, Tanya, we found you because we heard about the book, Josie Johnson, Josie Johnson's Hair, and the Holy Spirit. And that's where we first were introduced to your work as an illustrator. Um, tell us a little bit about that book. How'd you get that job? Do you know the author? What did it mean for you to create the stunning illustrations that you did? And I want to hear all about just even your process. Yes. Wow. Well, well, it all started with a little teeny tiny bit of faith. Like I said, I've always wanted to publish. I just never knew how to go about it. And when we were on lockdown, I said, okay, I'm going to take some online classes because there are so many different um, offerings online when you start to look. And there's this company called Storyteller Academy. I started taking classes under them, working on you know how to illustrate books, how to write stories. Um, I joined, at their advice, I joined the Society of Children, Book Writers, and Illustrators. I set up my portfolio on there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where the art director from InterVarsity Press for Josie Johnson, the Josie Johnson book, found me. Um, she, They were looking for an illustrator for Dr. Esau Macaulay's book, and they happened to see my work, and they were like, okay, this looks like a good fit. Um, and the usual process is, if they like the illustrator, they'll you know contact your agent. And then um, they'll pass the manuscript on to me. 
I'll read the manuscript. If it resonates with me, then I'll, and I say yes, then that's when the negotiations happen. But basically they found me on the Society of Children Book Writers uh, mm. website and wow. the art director, Cindy Kippel, reached out to me. Um, mm. After reading the manuscript, I was like, this is a match made in heaven, mm. uh, literally, because yeah. I could I connected with the story. Mm. I, I, you know, I was once that little black girl who questioned, mm-hmm. you know, the beauty of my own hair. Mm. Um, so I'm like, I, I definitely feel like I can illustrate this story in a way that not only has childlike authenticity, but also in a way that's true to the experience. So mm-hmm. I, I was like, this is this is made for me. Yeah. So I just began sketching out some ideas. They liked my ideas and we just went from there. <laughs> okay. It's just, it's just remarkable. So tell me when you when you got the manuscript and you're reading it, and we ha- we haven't had the author on the show. So tell our listeners just a little bit about the premise of this book. Yes. Um, Josie Johnson's Hair and the Holy Spirit is basically about um, this little girl and her dad. They're preparing for Pentecost Sunday. And so in preparation for Pentecost Sunday, they are going shopping for her a brand new red dress, as well as to get her hair done, get her hair braided. Um, And during that um, day of preparing, she she um, she questioned, she asked her dad, you know, why, you know, why is my hair different? And that troubled her because, you mm-hmm. know, all the other girls around her have very straight, flowy hair and her hair is, you know, it's curly um, and it doesn't do the things that their hair does. Mm-hmm. So he has this conversation with her about, you know, how God made us all different because God is like an artist and we are mm-hmm. all his masterpieces. We're all fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, so he has this conversation about her and he connects it to, you know, their experience with, uh, with Pentecost and, mm. and what that means. Mm. I just loved it, Even in some of the images that were on the book, um, on the website and, and the promo for the book of how you depicted even some of her expressions as she was sitting in the chair or as she was inquiring about her father, I cannot imagine how your hands can do this, how your mind (laughs) can do this. Um, But it translates so beautifully. And even for me as a white woman who is empathetic toward issues of race and justice and inclusion, I sat there and I could feel what that little girl you know, was feeling in that chair. Great. Great. And so and, and it's, it's think, amazing that you could do that. Great. Thank you. I think that's, that's the goal. I think sometimes when we, you know, create books where the, the protagonist is a black child or a black person, sometimes it, there's this perception that that book is only for black children, but mm-hmm. these books, these books are for everybody and everyone can learn through those experiences. And I'm glad that came across to you, um, through, through my work with this particular project. How do you do that? Do you, how do you, when you're looking at words, you get this manuscript and you're kind of envisioning in your head, like even you said, your own experience, you could, you could feel what that little girl was feeling. You mm-hmm. were that girl. And I so was. are you, are you remembering your own expressions and your own feelings? I'm definitely remembering my own experiences and connecting that with uh, with Josie, the character Josie. But I'm also keeping in mind to, uh, you know, the art, the author has his own, you know, um, 
own vision for what this story is about and the heart of the story too. So I have to keep that in mind too and not just self-project myself onto the character. Um, But they did allow me a lot of creative license in there, which I really love. So little things like, uh, I don't know if you remember it, you may have missed it, but at the very beginning of the story, she's waking up and her hair Mm. is all over her head. Yes. and there's a little bonnet behind her because oh, you yeah. know, that's that's yeah. that's a real experience of my bonnet falling off my head in the middle of the night and my hair is all over my head when I get up in the morning. So little things like that. Keep your bonnet like on. That. You got to exactly. keep your bonnet on. <laughs> so so little I'm, things I'm, like that. I'm curious like on the process, like the process of illustrating a book. You know, it's probably a little bit different than you sitting down, you know, at an easel or whatever to paint whatever's on your heart and mind. So do they tell you, we want X number of drawings, we need this, that, or the other? Like, do they give you that, or do they just say, give us a body of work, and we'll just pick? Um, well, no, they, the art director did a really good job of, um, basically, it, they, what they do is they talk, sit with the author and talk with the author about what their vision is for this project to make sure that, you know, that whoever illustrates it is is maintaining the heart of the story Mm -hmm. so what they'll do is they'll kind of sketch out what they envision the book will look like um in some areas where they can't think of anything to put in those places they'll leave it blank but they'll kind of give me some ideas about you know what it is the author is envisioning um and Cindy Kipple did a really good job of, of sketching out some things. She And she told me in advance, she's like, look, I'm not an artist, but, you know, this is just kind of give you a vision of what we're envisioning. Now, generally, um, a picture book is usually about 32 pages. So they're all generally about, well, picture books are, and then, you know, board books are different length, mm-hmm. but picture books are generally 32 pages. Um, so they're kind of set up all the same way. Um so usually what I do is I read through the text. I, I go in and I highlight um, specific things that the author said, like, okay, she's shopping for a red dress. Things like mm-hmm. that I need to make note of. Um, her, her, her feelings and her moods, those kind of things I have to highlight. Uh, so when I'm sketching out what I envision a story to look like, it's still holding to what it is the text is saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a long, detailed process. Mm-hmm. Um People have no idea what goes it goes yeah. through an illustrator's mind during that process. And then too, it's like with a movie, you want to maintain consistency because it's kind of like when you're watching a movie and you see those little things that don't quite match exactly. up. Where, so you kind of want to make sure you avoid those things. So you go over it over and over and over and over again to make sure you avoid those inconsistencies. But it's all a matter of first starting with the text, taking notes on what the art director says they want, what are some non-negotiables on their end. Mm -hmm. And then once you, you know, you you get those non-negotiables in there, they kind of give you room to to be creative and insert yourself in there too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there are some pages they didn't have an idea of what they wanted to do. So they just kind of gave me the freedom to to insert myself in those pages. Um, So I sketch out, I do a a storyboard. I don't know Uh if you've seen like Mm -hmm. on on Disney when they're making movies, how they do like a, I don't know how you describe it, but it's like a series of images that basically maps out every scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in a book. You just map out every scene in the book. Um, so I just do some quick sketches of that. And, and are you doing that digitally or are you doing that by hand? I like sketching on paper first. Okay. Um, and then I can scan those into my iPad. And okay. um, and then when I get ready to add color, I do that. Um, I do that on my iPad. Okay. Oh, wow. um, and it works well. It works well for me because 
I don't do this full time yet. So I'm not at home all the time. So the idea that I can carry my work with me everywhere I go. So the iPad is more convenient for me. Right. Um, so I can like sketch between classes or whatever. And what um, program are you using for those illustrators out there who might be curious about that? What, yeah, what program? Well, I use software? Procreate. I use Procreate, okay. um, but I also use um, Illustrator if I want to mm-hmm. do some, and Photoshop if I want to do a little bit of editing on those, on those images. Okay. But mainly Procreate is where I do most of my drawing. And then do you have like a room dedicated at your house when you're storyboarding? I mean, is it just all over the wall or do you lay it out on the floor? You know, I'm a little, I'm a little weird that way. I, I, I rarely work from my desk. It's the craziest uh-huh. thing. I do not, I do not work from my desk because like I, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm rarely home. I, I teach full time. So I don't have that. Ideally, mm-hmm. once, once I start, which is my goal, once I start, illustrating full-time I'd like to spend more time in my my space I do have a a little studio space here in my house but I just never get a chance to sit there and work yeah. uh but I do imagine myself doing that like other illustrators do but I just <laughs> <laughs> well I think you know, you're well you're, on your I think you're well on your yeah, way you're well on your way um, I, your work is unreal it's it's, it's really beautiful <laughs> thank yeah. you um okay question about what is the hardest part, illustrators come in all shapes and sizes. I mean, you have some who are impressionists, some who are realists, who who use realism, some who are very abstract, some work on watercolor. I'm trying to think of the children's book. Um, Well, anyway, it doesn't matter, but all different forms, especially with children's books, you know, in children's literature, there's all different forms. Mm -hmm. For you, yours Yours is, um, to me, it's, it, it is very realistic. When I look at the hair, which is what this book is all about, mm-hmm. but it's astounding. And I'm like, how did you do that? Is that a challenge or does that just come naturally? Hair, hair is my favorite thing to draw, especially wow. black. I love, I love drawing afros and cornrows wow. and braids. Yeah. That's, that's my thing. I, I love it. And if you go through my body of work, you'll see yes. I, I give that same pain and attention to hair in, in my personal work that I did in, in Josie Johnson's hair and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it's not hard for me. It's almost um, it's almost meditative for me because mm-hmm. the, the, stro- the strokes are very like repetitive. But if you turn mm-hmm. on some good music and you just make those little me- those mm-hmm. repetitive stroke uh, pencil lines, it's very it's very meditative for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's not hard. It's not hard at all. Um, when people look at it, like, oh my God, did you really spend all that time doing all those <laughs> right. little lines? Like, y- yes, I did. Because <laughs> and you had to this, get everything right. Right. And that's what it looks book, like. Because it's my first book, I kind of look at it as like my entryway into children's book publishing because people see me and they're like, oh, you're a fine artist. We see you can make pretty pictures, but can you tell a story through pictures? Because mm-hmm. there's a difference. Um, and so I feel like this particular book was like, my interview into children book publishing so that I can get more jobs to show them that, Hey, yes, not only can I draw pretty pictures, but I can, I can illustrate stories. I can, I can show a character in sequence. So I really put a lot of great pains into just making it the best that I could possibly make it be. Well, and I think you saw the the transformation of her hair and her Mm. expression and her comfortability with her hair and, and with who she was, you know, like you, 
you do get to see that through mm-hmm. through your drawings. It's just mm-hmm. remarkable. I can't believe hair is your favorite thing to do. To it, me, that would be... It's my favorite thing. It's <laughs> my be, like, absolute most... favorite. Wow. And that cover, the cover, I tell mm-hmm. you, I kid you not, I probably spent alone, just on the braids alone on that cover, I probably spent a good two weeks just getting those braids exactly right. Just and every the little bead. Yeah. <laughs> every little bead, all of that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> It's remarkable. When do you remember first picking up a a pen or a drawing? What's your first experience with drawing something? Okay. My first experience is actually not from my memory. It's from the memory that my mom gave me. She tells me that when I was about four years old, I would um, take the canned goods out of the shelf at our house and sit on the kitchen floor. And I would like copy down and draw the things on the cans and write out the words that I saw in the cans. Um, and my dad used to work at a paper mill. So we had an abundance oh. of like brown paper bags. So she would give me these brown paper bags to draw on. And so th- th- those are my earliest memories of me being connected to art. Um, and one of my other second memories that I have to insert this one is uh, when I was in about third grade, I made my own stories where I stapled pieces of copy paper together I wrote out my story in pretty cursive handwriting mm-hmm. and I drew little illustrations in there. And it, it was about a unicorn. And I still have them here. I have to dig them up somewhere, but I still have them here. Um, but yeah, I, I think it speaks to the fact that, you know, I'm making that little girl, that fearless little girl that was in me that believed I could write a book um, back then. I'm making her proud right now because yes. it's finally happening. So, yeah. and, and so are you working on your own storybook right now? I do. I do. I have one that's on the contract. I can't now they haven't announced it yet, so I can't really speak too much about it. But yeah, I do have one that I wrote that's uh, it should be coming out next next sometime next year, probably the fall of next year. Wow. So Um, growing up, did you have an experience with faith? How did you get your how did you get connected? I know University Press found you, but is there something about that story and faith that that inspired you to be a part of this project? Um, I think that um, besides, aside from my personal experience, as far as religious experience goes, I, I was raised in a Christian church. So I'm very much connected to this ideal of the pomp and circumstance surrounding mm-hmm. getting ready, getting ready for this big church event. Um, mm-hmm. For us, for me, I'm, I wasn't Pentecostal, but for me, it was Easter Sunday. Yeah. So that same preparation that Josie uh, was doing, getting her hair done, finding a perfect dress, that was my same experience as uh, we prepared for Easter Sunday mm-hmm. every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and, and the same issues with the hair. For me, it wasn't going to get my hair braided or pressed. Uh, <laughs> when yes. you put the hot comb on the stove and you can breathe <sighs> the hair and, and all of that, and you have to deal with the burning of your ear, all of that <sighs> stuff. So I, I, I. I felt Josie in a very visceral way. Like <laughs> you can't imagine. So that's that's what connected to, connected me to the story. And I was really happy that they 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 found me and mm-hmm. gave me that yes because it's very hard to get into this uh, into this field. It's very hard to prove yourself yeah. and somebody somebody to give you that opportunity to show what you can do. Um, and when they 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 contacted me, I was like, "Whoa! I cannot let the story get." Mm get passed on to someone else. This story is for me. So yeah. 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 Now what did trying to do this project, but you also 
are working. Did you do this project during the pandemic or during the shutdown where you had a little more time to do that? Or what did teaching art look like on Zoom? Oh, oh my gosh. It was <laughs> a nightmare, to be honest. Right. <laughs> it was a nightmare. It really was because, because I, I can't teach... I don't know. I wasn't prepared to teach art online and I didn't have, you know, the tools to teach art online. Mm -hmm. Um, And my students were prepared for that either. Normally when I teach them, I teach very little kids. So they they require a lot of hand over hand kind of guidance. and, And I wasn't able to give them that. And on top of that, I mean, I'm a mother, too, of a school age child. So trying to juggle my child's classes on top of, you know, trying to teach it was it was a nightmare oh my Mm. god (laughs) Mm. um yeah I just wasn't prepared for it and the kids weren't prepared for it yeah and how um how old are your kiddos well I have one son and he's 11 okay Okay. I've got a 12 year old son yeah (laughs) and I think I think the that was I have high I've got one in college of course during the pandemic she was in high school but it um it was a real challenge on each of these kids in different ages. And I felt like, you know, my teenagers and especially it was just, they're not supposed to be locked up with their families for that long. Like teenagers don't, it's not good (laughs) to be, you know, locked up for that long. Um, For the younger kids, it did prove to be a challenge for those that were in elementary school to really, lock into concepts and ideas and have to do that over a computer. And my son, my son is autistic. And so he needs a lot of hands-on kind of lessons. So, but I can say he had some teachers that were really good about making the best of the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, They did like virtual field trips and things like that. that He really loved. And she would send, she would send like um, little materials for them to work on. Like if they were going to be making some kind of craft project, she, mm. she mailed that to them. Wow. She really went, she really went all out, um, for her kiddos. And I, I really do appreciate her for that. Wow. Um, but some, some teachers just really didn't have that time and luxury to do that because they mm-hmm. were like me scrambling, like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> you got work, um, you have family, you've got all these projects going yeah. on. It was, but, but for the book though, um, yeah. The book, I didn't start illustrating the book until 2021. So we were back, we were, we were getting ready to go back into the classroom. And actually I had, I had all of the summer Mm. to work on it. I wasn't working. I wasn't volunteering or doing anything like that. So I had much of the summer and I was really, I was getting up very early every day. I was getting up probably like about five o'clock every morning. Like I was going to work to work on this book because I was very determined to get the bulk of it done before I went back. Uh-huh. From from start to finish, how long I would, did it? I wouldn't have um, from start to finish, I would say it took about four to five months. Um, yeah, the last month was mainly just editing mm-hmm. for me, but the actual drawing part took about four months for me, mm-hmm. which, which surprised ever... me because I I planned I planned for six months. Mm-hmm. I, I said to myself, okay. okay, this is probably gonna take me about six months, but it only took about four months for me to finish. Did they ever send anything back to you and say, nope, do this again? Mm, not really. What well, there were some things where 
most of the pictures they were like, okay, they were happy with them with just a few minor changes. There was mm. nothing they were where they were like, okay, just throw the whole thing away, start yeah. over. Mm. No. <laughs> it's so it's it's so fun. I'm I'm nerding out at your process. So Emily and I are musicians and I'm uh we're actually in the middle of a of a record that we're working on. And you know, part of that pro it's very systematic and you know, there's times that we try one thing and then we're like, no, that's absolute crap. We've got to do that again. And then it ends up mm -hmm. kind of changing the original of what we thought it was going to sound like to turn into something else. And I imagine that's mm -hmm. probably the same with you as you go in and change angles mm -hmm. or change colors or add shadows mm -hmm. or this or that. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm fascinated by this process. Okay. So you said your dad worked at a paper mill? A paper mill. Uh-huh. Okay. So most yeah. of the stuff on your website, you're drawing on cardboard or wood. It does is that connected to that? You know, it could be. It could be like intrinsically connected. I, I never thought about that, but it could very well be. I'm just very like I have an affinity for that neutral tone mm -hmm. um, in my well, background, and and also too, I like with wood. I like the lines in the wood, the grains of the wood. I like finding pictures in that. Kind of like when you're looking up at the clouds and you see the clouds form different shapes to you. I do the same thing with wood. So mm -hmm. there might be some kind of natural affinity there that I'm not, I haven't really realized. But well, they, it, they're yeah. so cool to look at because you're right that like the wood grain, it just like plays into like one, you, there's a kid with khaki pants on and it's like, you know, they're khaki pants at the top and then it just kind of fades into the wood. And it's like, that's so rad. I think this is my favorite. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, that's my. That's actually a picture of my my dad. Uh, it's based on a oh. photograph of him. Uh, his first day of like it was a picture day for first grade or something like that, and he didn't want to take that picture because he he didn't like the shirt he was wearing that day, and that's why he's like that's why he's all frowned up in the picture. Um, but yeah, that's one of my favorites too. It's wow. so soulful. Like this kid mm. is emoting so much. It's just. <laughs> That's the beauty of <laughs> art, right? That you can, it's like, right. some people go, well, it's just a picture of a kid who's not happy. No, he's like speaking to me. He also mm -hmm. reminds me of, of we have some staff members here and they bring their kids up all the time. And I'm mm -hmm. like, that that looks just like true. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. or Jackson, I mean. That expression. Um, that expression. And sometimes it's anger. Or sometimes it's, I'm trying to figure out, are you safe? You're a really large man <laughs> with a hairy beard, and I'm just not sure about you. So it's just, yeah. God, it's just great. I, yeah, I heard of that one. That one didn't actually take very long either. I, when I did that picture, not counting the, the background, but when I drew the actual face on it, that, that probably took about 30 minutes with some vine charcoal, and, and that was it. It just came out so mm. effortlessly for me. Mm. And normally mm. I work and normally I work very slow and tediously, but that particular um, drawing just came out very naturally. Mm. If you're a subscriber to our podcast, you can actually watch the video of this and see the image that Brett's talking about. If you're listening, you have no idea what picture <laughs> Brett just threw up. No, you don't. And so you're gonna have to go to Latanya Jackson. Is it art? Is that am I getting the art? Website? Yes. Mm -hmm. LatanyaJacksonArt.com Studio. Well, studio. Art studio. Oh, there you go. We'll link it in the show yeah. notes. Mm -hmm. LatanyaJacksonArtStudio.com. And the picture I'm holding up is called Picture Day. And it's just, mm -hmm. there it is for those of you who can see. Oh, what do we have in here? Yes. I, I, can, just, yep, I can see it. 
So I want to talk a little bit about the picture behind you right now. That's, Mm -hmm. I was really drawn to Ruby. Of course, I knew right away who she was, um, Mm -hmm. this icon of desegregation and Mm -hmm. the bravery and the courage and even the pictures that I remember um, seeing of her parents sitting down at the kitchen table with little Ruby um, before, you know, discussing what was about to take place. And I wondered, you know, it's so funny when you popped on the podcast, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's got it right (laughs) behind her. Um, I was in New Orleans last week for, or two weeks ago for my daughter's, for a class trip. And I learned that Ruby Bridges just got like human of the year award or something for Louisiana by, by somewhere. Um, tell me a little bit just about what creating that meant to you and how you did it. Okay. Um, as both a a mother, a student, a, a black girl and an educator, um, this particular uh, picture I created it. First off, I was I was trying to teach my own students about you know historical figures that we don't always hear about. Um, sometimes during you know during Black History Month, we tend to hear about you know Dr. Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, Rosa Parks, those standard people mm-hmm. who made contributions here in America. But we we don't always hear about the Ruby Bridges and, and others. So I. And so I decided to, you know, create a lesson for my younger students um, to teach about Ruby Bridges. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes that inspires me to, to create personal work at home. And so that's kind of how uh, I ended up creating this particular piece. I always liked, liked the original. Norman Rockwell did a painting of Ruby. Mm-hmm. I always did like that picture, but I wanted to do my own version of that um, picture. And so uh, I incorporated... Um, an image of Ruby and the words from, um, I can't remember the name of the campaign. It was a campaign where these little children, little black children were dressed up as famous historical, um, Mm. African-American figures. Mm. Um, because of them, we can, Mm. it was a a campaign called because of them, we can. Mm -hmm. So the words are from that. Uh, So I combined those things together and I I use my favorite medium, which is collage. And Mm. I just put together, you know, uh, an it's image. beautiful. Yeah. And how and big, I, how big is this image? It's, uh, is it, um, two feet by four feet, I think. Okay. Um, two feet by four feet, two feet across, four feet in height. And um, what are the materials that you used it, for? It's, it's multimedia. I have some acrylic paint. Um, I even incorporated a little bit of fabric and some, um, decorative paper. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is the rest of it. And of course, pencil. Her so, shoes yeah. are also just so <laughs> just iconic of that 1950s period of time. I just, I love it. Saddle Oxfords. Is that what they call them? Is that right? Is that the name of those shoes? I can't um, remember. Yeah. Oxfords. I know they call Oxford, but I'm okay. a specific type of Oxford. Yeah. Whoever, so whoever, call- whoever shot your image, like you can so see the mm-hmm. detail, like you can tell that this is not just a drawing, you know, that it is mixed and that's mm-hmm. so good. Do you yeah. create, did you do your own website or did you have someone shoot the art for you and put it up on the website? I did. I did my own website for that particular picture though. I did have a photographer um, mm-hmm. to, to shoot it for me because I needed a very good rendering mm-hmm. of it. And because I was getting ready to do prints of it, a lot of people were interested in buying prints after I had posted it on my Facebook page. So I was like, I can't just use a regular old 
um, cell phone image for that because you, you can only blow that up so far. So yeah. I actually paid a photographer to to photograph that particular picture. But all the rest of them, I just photographed them myself. I'm 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 just kind of using working with what I have. Absolutely. To yeah. So I just photograph them myself and then post them on there myself. So I created my own website and um also you know photograph the images that are on that website with the exception of the Ruby yeah. picture. Have you ended up selling a lot of prints? Do you still get requests for it? Uh the Ruby one, yeah, I mm-hmm. still get some requests for Ruby. She's still she's still very popular. Uh, I haven't really been pushing or advertising it as much, so I, I'm not really getting a lot of sales. Mm-hmm. I've been focusing more so on my my illustration work now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I haven't really been getting a lot of sales, but a lot of people, you know, are still interested in it. But mm-hmm. I haven't been making too many sales on that end. Do you find like as an artist? I'm just curious. Do you do you find that struggle between the entrepreneurial side that, you know, you've got to get your work out there and, and the hustle of it. And then the pull of the artist to really go inward and, and be slow and take time and mm-hmm. create and mm-hmm. not hustle. I mean, cause art, yeah, absolutely. The art and the hustle are like two forces that kind of pull against each other. That's so very true. Um, with my fine art, I have the luxury of like, just taking my time and pacing myself. I have several pieces right now that I, that are unfinished that I'm mm-hmm. working on in my fine art. But with illustration, you know, that's the nature of the business. Um, you have to adhere to deadlines, uh, which I have no problem with because I, I'm pretty self-aware where I know how long it takes for me to, to, do, to draw something. Um, so I can kind of set up my own timeline that works for me. Mm-hmm. I'm very type A, so I'm, I'm good at like breaking things down into small chunks and saying, hey, I'm going to illustrate this much. This is going to take me, say, two weeks or this is going to take me a week. So I'm, I'm able to break it down in a way where it's manageable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not in my nature to do it that way, but because I love the work, mm-hmm. I, I do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, by nature, I'm more of a slow, methodical artist in my when I'm working on my own things. Mm-hmm. But for illustration purposes, I, I've gotten used to um, kind of estimating how much time it's going to take for me to to complete a project, and I'm able to spread it out in a way that I don't feel rushed mm-hmm. in the process. Do you, um, when you're just going about your day, or you're teaching your students, or you're watching TV shows? Are there images or, or faces or things that just capture you and you're like, I've got to, I've got to draw her or him <laughs> or that? Oh yes. Oh my gosh. I, my my <laughs> students are characters. I, I I keep a sketchbook with me everywhere I go because I never <sighs> know when inspiration is gonna hit me, hit me. Wow. And when you're working with children, you know they're funny. That's so funny. Yes. So it's like I, I I always keep a sketchbook so I can jot things down. And sometimes when I'm sitting there while they're working, I'll sketch them out. And they don't know I'm doing this, right, but I, right. it's just something I do. Um, and I may not even do anything with that, but I just still do it because sometimes those things do turn into characters in in, in books and in, mm. in book ideas for mm-hmm. me. And then on top of that, my son, he's the same way. He's quite animated, creative kid. Uh, mm. So I do a lot of... A lot of my work is inspired by him. A lot of the characters um, that you're going to see in my future books that are going to okay. come out are inspired by him. Um, and even in Josie, I, I put some little Easter eggs in there where I have images <laughs> of my son. My son's like, I really did. I put some little likenesses of him That's in awesome. there. <laughs> That's awesome. And is he artistic too? 
very right now he's he loves to draw I actually taught him how to use the program that I'm using procreate um and he loves puppets so he's into making puppets so I'm trying to find somebody that can connect him to like puppet making because I don't know anything about puppet making but I see that he he's very into and he's very good at it so wow he's quite the artsy kid he doesn't look anything like me but I said at least he has something that's like me (laughs) (laughs) and I would imagine puppet making is kind of a lost art it's a lost craft like he loves it wow that's really cool um if you had the the chance to draw someone if someone famous from the past or the present said I want to commission you to to draw me Mm. who would that be oh wow (laughs) think. you know what I really I really wanted that role to um to paint uh, First Lady Michelle Obama, but you know oh. they beat me to it, so I, I didn't get a chance to do that. So I'm trying to I'm trying to think of somebody else. Uh, who would I want to paint? Somebody famous? Hmm. I can't think of anybody right now. I wanted to do the First Lady. I guess I could could do her second portrait. <laughs> you know, I can think of somebody who would be incredible. I wondered about like a Viola Davis. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good you one. Know, and that's I thought about it, she's playing, I love following her on Instagram too, but she's playing the first lady, you know, in this new show that's coming out. And I'm so excited I to saw, see her interpretation. I saw that. I just saw the photograph though. And she, she nailed it on the photograph. She did. Um, yeah. Oh now gosh. hold on, hold on. I'm going to throw one in here in the mix. Because you said you love doing hair, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tina Turner. Oh, yeah. She does have yeah. some iconic Let's hair. Go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if they're listening, sign me up. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> commissions, commissions from famous people with lots of <laughs> lots of money to support. Hair. Yeah, and big, crazy, beautiful, just wonderful texture. I know somebody's got the hair going because the texture that you're able to create is just epic. I really do. I really, when I look at your fine art and I think I could so see someone just commissioning you. I mean, it's so beautiful. I, I can't, I can't even describe it to our listeners who are just listening, but you really do need to go check out Latanya's work. What is this? Okay, you're showing me. I mean, this image. is why I thought of Tina Turner because was, of this hair right here. Yeah, this is called Don't called, Tell Me to Relax. Yeah, Don't Tell oh, Me to Relax. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. I need this. I wish I could yeah. zoom in right now. I know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is very Tina hair. Mm-hmm. It is. That's very. <laughs> uh-huh. Her new, so or, like cool. from the 90s. Yeah. I can't draw to save myself from anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can do Pac-Man. Just, my dad could draw. My mom can't draw. Um, I have lots of people in my family who could draw. Uncles, my mm-hmm. my grand, paternal grandmother could draw. Um, my paternal grandfather could draw. My brother can draw, but he's really not passionate about it, so he doesn't do it <laughs> that often. But yeah, I think it's one of those things that kind of runs in my family. It, it has to be, because I think of it the same way as singing. Mm-hmm. And I and as much as you can work with the voice and you can you can gain some skills and kind of use it, but 
the raw talent of being able mm. to sing and to produce sound in a way that's appealing mm-hmm. to someone's ear is just a gift. I mean, you just, right. and it's the same with art. It's just, yeah. you can try and you can take yeah. our daughter yesterday is in art <laughs> class and she texted us an image. She goes, why did I ever sign up for art? And we laughed oh, out loud. I gotta, I gotta it, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> it's supposed to be a horse and <laughs> We did not know what we were looking at. We just were like, (laughs) what are we looking at here? And I just think, yeah, it's, you either have it or you don't. Well, you kind of see, oh wait, that's, I was like, well, that's the original. So you see the the shadow and all that kind of stuff. Uh Uh And here's hers. God bless her. I can't, I can't, I can't even really see you. It is a (laughs) horse with hippopotamus ears. <laughs> it's just you have astounding. it or you don't. You have it or yeah, you don't. You, that's true. You See, have it or you don't. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because when I'm I'm teaching my students, um, I find it very difficult to to help. It's kind of like when you know you're learning to play the piano and they're teaching you how to play by ear. When I was a kid, I got to the point in piano lessons where they were trying to teach me to to play by ear, but I just couldn't hear what the teacher wanted me to hear. Uh, It was very difficult for me, but some people just pick it up naturally. And I think with drawing, it's like you try to get the kids to see what you want them to see, but some kids can see it and some just can't. So... (laughs) Um, I know. And I tell my students that a lot of drawing, people think, oh, you're good with your hands, but you're more good with your eyes. That's um, it. You're Mm. good at paying attention very closely to the the details and the shapes of everything, including the shapes of shadows and the shapes of the light, the way it lays on on objects and things like that. But it's hard to make a person see that. (laughs) I I think the hardest thing to see when you said eyes, I was like, that's it. Because I would, my grandmother was an artist and she painted. I didn't get that from her. I mean, she could do oils and acrylics and um, she, she did more like impressionist work but she would always send us little Easter cards, even up into her 80s. We would get cards of Easter bunnies that she would hand draw in the nursing home mm-hmm. and she would send to each of her great-grandchildren. Aww. And so she just loved doing it and she, it came natural to her. But the eye for me is like, she tried to teach me how to draw like this, but it's the scale. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't see the spaces that mm-hmm. she's seeing. So we don't think about our eyes seeing space as as part of the picture. But mm-hmm. the way the eyes lay or the space between here and there, for that to translate to the brain, to then get out your hands. All right. <laughs> that's a whole communication process that uh-huh. does not translate. Those wires go a little bit across the... They get crossed. <laughs> I cannot make my hand. I see the space. I cannot draw. My brain is like, it doesn't know inches, centimeters. It doesn't know anything. And I think that's why Lucy's horse did not look like at all a horse. The scale. Definitely the the scale of the ears is off. It's definitely (laughs) the ears. Because are those eyes or are those hippo ears? They just, they can't really tell. Oh my gosh. Okay. I have a question. I have a question. Do you, um, do you have like pieces that no one will ever see? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you, most of those are self-portraits. Talk about that. I have never, 
I have never created a self-portrait that I was completely happy with. I have never. Mm. Um, and I, I really, I haven't figured out what it is, but I, I think I was watching this scientific show one time and they were talking about how we're, we're accustomed to seeing ourselves in mirror images. Uh-huh. So the way we see ourselves is not the way other people see ourselves. And so it's like, it's really weird. Like when I see it, I'm like, do I look like that? Like that doesn't, <laughs> it just doesn't, yeah. it never looks quite like me to me. Uh-huh. Um, so I have tons of self-portraits that no one will ever see unless mm. I die and then somebody put it out there. But <laughs> You know, when you mm. think about all the great artists too, they, they struggled with self-portraits. And sometimes their self-portraits didn't look anything like how we saw them. That's so fascinating. Yeah, it's I I haven't pinpointed why that's the case, but that's my struggle, my my self-portraits. Do you take a picture of yourself and paint from that? Or do you just kind of remember what your face looks like and try to go off memory? Uh, I usually try to look at myself visually, whether I'm looking in a mirror or looking at a photo. I I either do it that way, one Mm -hmm. of two ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't try to remember because you're not going to, uh-uh, it's not going to yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I have yeah. a big, I, I'm going to get, we've, we've gone super detailed. I'm going to ask like a really broad question. You can answer mm-hmm. it like any way you want to. Why do you think the visual arts are important right now at this time in history? Hmm. Why do I think the visual arts are important? Um, I think the visual arts is important right now. There's a lot of talk about the importance of how representation matters. Um, we all need to be seen and we all need to feel like we're, we're seen. Um, and I, I take the example of my son, for example, like I told you earlier, he's autistic. And I'm all about in my work creating images that expose people to people that aren't like them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the visual has a way of... of of doing that. Books have a way of doing that. Um, there are some things that we're not going to experience in our, in our natural world ourselves. So if you can look at an image or if you can, um, delve into a book, you can experience things outside of your own experience. Mm. Um, and I think the beauty of also the visual is that you can proliferate it Mm -hmm. all over the world very easily with technology now. So you're able to share and experience, with someone way across the world who may never experience what it's like to be, say, an African-American little girl who has struggles with, you know, her identity and her hair. Mm-hmm. Um, that might not be their experience. But I think that the importance of the visual is helping us all, all to feel seen. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and valuing each of our, our stories and our individualities. Um, I think that's the beauty of the visual mm-hmm. and the fact that we have all these different visual artists coming from all different backgrounds. If each of us just shares our experiences, we're able to come together and create images that can proliferate around, propagate around. We can propagate around the world, mm-hmm. share with others, so we can see that everybody's story had there's a value in everybody's story, yeah. and everybody can have has an opportunity to be seen and to be centralized. Yes, um, which you know hasn't always been the case. Yes. Um, and I said before earlier how, you know, I was in a PhD program. I was studying art history. And I remember sitting in a lot of those classes and I'm like, where are all the black yes. people? And in, 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 like, where are they? Surely they were around living life, you know, but you never hardly see them in like in like the the textbooks right. that I, I had that I studied from. You never see them. And so children 
adults, we need to see people that mm-hmm. look like us. Um, mm-hmm. I never would have known that it was possible for somebody like me to publish a book because I never saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, and kids, the same, never would know that, you know, my hair is beautiful, curly. If, you know, you don't see it positioned that way mm-hmm. um, through imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that, before we can even communicate in words, we communicate through through visuals. So mm-hmm. the visual thing, it, it, there's no way around it. Um, yeah. It influences us as babies and it influences us as as adults. That's so good. Um, mm-hmm. So in light of all of what you just said, how does it feel when you hear people, particularly white people, say things like, I don't see color. I'm colorblind. Mm-hmm. How does that how does that hit you? It's it's troubling because I want you to see because this is this is me. You can't take my blackness away and, and still have a Latonya Jackson. This is a part of who I am. So to say you don't see it is ignoring a part, a big part of who I am. Um, I want you to see it and still love me yeah. and, and still and still acknowledge my experiences and still embrace me, you know, for who I am as a person in this in this skin. Um when people say it, it just it, it, it it's, it's it's euphemistic in a way that that's not healthy and it doesn't help it doesn't help yeah um you want to you want to see you want to see people of all different races and colors and still love and embrace them mm-hmm. um, yeah. for who they are um not turn a blind eye to their color because that makes you i guess comfortable mm-hmm. mm, makes you comfortable yeah. the the one saying that stupid phrase you know mm-hmm. i just I, I i thought about that as looking at your images it's like your images convey i want you to see my blackness i want you to see yeah. i want you to see that in all of this detail and so mm-hmm. and, it's all i've always illustrators with illustrators and writers and i've been asked a lot well you know why don't you draw pictures of you know children of all different races I can do that I have mm-hmm. no issue with doing it I believe in diversity um but I also know that you know there's a shortage of you know representation of you know black children as main characters and stories yes. and not only that black children just being black children and, and enjoying being children because we yeah. don't always sit we don't sit around and, and worry about oh my god you know, I don't like my hair. Oh my God. You know, I have to go out here and protest on a picket line. That's not our life. Black mm-hmm. children, you know, they, they get excited about their birthdays. They go outside and play in the mud and make mud cakes. And and I think that we need a whole, to show the whole experience of, of black children. Um, right. And, and I feel like that's my, that's my calling because that's my experience. And I think the best stories are the stories that come from you. Um, so yes, I could very well have, you know, a story with, a white or Asian or whatever protagonist, but it, I think that I could tell the better, I could tell a better story from the experience of a black little girl because or a black little boy, because, you know, I come from that experience. Yeah. Um, and that authenticity just translates, you know, into your work and into your words. And it is a more authentic and it is a, it is an ability, even if that isn't your personal experience, for you to gain insight mm-hmm. into your experience or the experience of that protagonist. So yeah. art, art in so many ways is justice, you know. And and for a long time, I even think of in World War II, one of the first things that Hitler destroyed was art. 
Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and yeah. and because art is justice, art is prophetic. Artists see things that that mainstream sometimes doesn't see. It's, and I think it's I think that art has a way of capturing like the spirit of the time yeah. in a way that nothing else can, in a way that you know something written in a history book can't. Um, when I was studying art history, that's one of the things that clicked with me. Um, these things are, are artifacts. These, these, uh, these paintings and then these drawings are artifacts and they tell a story, a deeper story than anything we could read, you know, in a history textbook. Uh, if you just, if you just look a little closely, uh, and read between the details. Yeah. I think of the same thing regarding pictures and depiction of women through the ages. And I look at, at the way that women's beauty was, you know, curated, depicted depending on the context, depending on the mm-hmm. time, whether they mm-hmm. were round figures, slim mm-hmm. figures, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. So you're right. They do tell a story and they tell a story that of history and mm-hmm. to not include, right? Like you're saying, to not ec- include black artists and black voices, we're missing, you know, so mm-hmm. much story mm-hmm. of, of what we need to know in order to help us see the future in a, right. in a clearer way. Right. Yeah. There's Are this, there... um, this um, African proverb, there's a term called Sankofa, the ideal mm-hmm. of looking back um, and understanding the past in order to move forward to the, the future. Um, I think that that's just what you just said just reminded me mm. of that. I need to know that word. Sankofa. I, I, Sankofa. Okay. Um, is there a black artist that you look to that's your inspiration that you love? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> Tell us. So many. Um, illustration wise, Kadir Nelson. Mm-hmm. Um, Kadir Nelson, I love Ogimora. She does uh, collage work. She did a book called Thank You, Omu. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as far as fine art go, photography, I love Bart Gordon Parks. Um, there's an artist named Charles White that I really love, Elizabeth Catlett. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, there's so many. <laughs> and we don't we don't know them all and we don't study them, right? But, no, no. Uh-uh. They're, they're, they wouldn't be considered canonical. Most mm. of them wouldn't be considered canonical. So you mm. probably wouldn't see them in a standard um, art history picture book or I mean art history book or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but their work is just outstanding. If I could just reach half the level of dexterity that they have. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I am no, I'm no artist, but I'm saying I, I do know what, <laughs> what is good, and and yours is beautiful, and it it's living, and it speaks, and I, I think you are well on your way. I'm Thank gonna you. agree with that. I, I'm and praying. I am praying. I'm gonna go out <laughs> on a really, limb. Really... I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna see you at a different level down the road. We won't be able um, to get her on the podcast. We won't be able I'm to get you on the podcast it. anymore. I, I am claiming it. I am claiming it. I'm, but, a, I'm a believer in, in manifestation. So I have all Oprah, these names. Michelle, somebody step up and let's get yeah. the word it's out. Writ, on it's, writ, Tanya it's written Jackson. on my mirror. So it must be okay. so. Okay. <laughs> I love no, it. And, no, I, and, I'm and just, I, I, I want to say this too. It's not just your art. It's you. You are absolutely yeah. beautiful and you have a beautiful yeah. spirit and you bring mm-hmm. light so thank you, Brent. It's just mm-hmm. fantastic. Thank yeah. you. I was I was so nervous today. I don't even know what I was nervous about. I'm like, we're all we're 
already past that hour mark. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God. Because at first I was like, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to talk to them about for a whole hour? <laughs> and who are these people? Um, <laughs> I'm an extreme introvert, extreme introvert. I get it. I'm telling you, like my family, mm-hmm. they had to really, really love me because I have these moments where I, like they don't even hear from me, see me or anything. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, okay, I'm okay, you guys. I pop up like, I'm okay. I'm just doing my introvert thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So I was really nervous about today. Like, I was like, what am I going to talk about for a whole hour? <laughs> I see it well, flies it, by. It flies by. It does, it does. Introverts actually, you know, and you know that I'm an introvert as well. And there, we think a lot and we have a lot of words that nobody ever gets to hear. Mm-hmm. And so if you ask the right questions, that is true. Introverts actually can tell you a whole lot that we have a lot to say. We have a lot to say. <laughs> we just don't always are out there with it. So are you thank familiar you, with Tanya. the Enneagram? No, I'm not. not. Okay. Mm-mm. Well, that'll be <laughs> maybe for another people. another discussion. I'll send you a link. It's one of those personality okay. indicators. Okay. It's like okay. a spiritual the, growth kind with of the e, with the E N T kind of. That's one of them. Kind oh, of but like that's that. it's kind of that. like that. But it's more of a it's it's a number system. Oh, okay. No, I'm not. Yeah. With it. Okay. Well. Brett always asks people what their I do. Are. I like to know everybody. So there's nine numbers and uh, everybody tends to fall into one number. We all have all the numbers, obviously. But anyway, mm-hmm. I, I try to figure out what people are. And so I have an idea of what I think you are, but it's not my job to do that. So you go look up Enneagram. So I'm curious. I'm curious though. What do you think my number is before I do look it up? No. I'm not allowed to. See, no. Emily's not going to let me. Because it'll, no. It'll mess it will, it up. Okay. It'll mess it, it, it up. It'll keep you from, it'll keep you from, yeah. You just okay. don't need that projection. You don't need okay. him. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. No. When, when you are, <laughs> when you are being um, exhibited in the uh, New York Modern Museum of Art or something along those lines, <laughs> we'll get you back on the show. We'll, okay. we'll, and then we'll talk about Enneagram. How okay. About that? <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> okay. Well, I am so grateful to know you a little bit and, um, blessings on your journey and on your work keep up the incredible work because it really is remarkable what you've been able to do thank you so much you're welcome and if you um, are interested in tanya's art we're going to link her website you can go um, follow her work you can buy prints if she puts them up there but we definitely want you to check out her illustration in the book josie johnson and hair, hair, hair and, and the Holy Spirit. I was going to say Holy Spirit in her hair, but Josie Johnson's hair and the Holy Spirit. Um, that is her latest work. So stay tuned to all the good stuff she's putting out there. Thank you. Thank you.